0: joy. You know, since we're having fun and laughing, I decided I would start with a joke. (laughs) So here's the deal. I'm going to tell two jokes. I'm going to tell one this service, and I'm going to tell one next service, and they're going to be different ones, because I I, I went in front of our production team before the service, and I gave them a few options, and a lot of them wanted this joke, and some of them wanted the other jokes. I'm going to tell you one of the jokes right now. It's about these two boys, since we had the kids up here, and they were Known for getting in trouble, stealing things, telling stories, breaking things. So the parents were frustrated. They didn't know what to do. They were kind of at their wits' end. So they said, We're going to take him to the pastor and he's going to work with each one of them. So they take one of the sons down into the office of the pastor and they go back home with their other son, send him up to his room. Pastor sitting in the study with the little boy and says, Son, where is God? The little boy kind of looks down, looks around. He says, Son, where is God? The little boy does not say anything and kind of tries to emphasize the point. He says, son, where is God? The little boy jumps up, bolts out of the room, runs home, runs upstairs, goes into the room with his brother, closes the door and says, we're in trouble. God's missing and they think we took him. <laughs> is that okay? Well, that's one story anyway. Let's stand to our feet as we talk about the inside story today. Now, if you're Catholic, you don't want to miss the next service, because I'm going to tell a Catholic joke. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, I want us to read this passage together. Will you all join me, those of you online? Let's read this together. You ready? King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, before we read on, this next verse is the verse we're going to focus on today as we look at the inside story of Christmas. Let's read. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. I want you to close your eyes. Lord, we welcome your presence. Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit, the coming of Christ and the release of the Holy Spirit into the heart of every believer. You are with us right now in this room. Lord, whether you're in Latvia or Texas or England, wherever people are joining us around the world, your presence is with us, and we acknowledge you, Emmanuel, and we say, have your way in this place. Speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray this so many times on the weekends at Higher Vision, and that is, Lord, when we walk out of this room, may we say, we heard the voice of God. Not a good story, not a good joke, not a good song, but very voice of God so speak to us today we open our hearts to receive what you have now before we move on will you just take a moment in your way to connect with Christmas Christ sense somebody's being healed right now. God is healing someone right now, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, receive the healing that God has for you. Healing right now in the name of Jesus. You are the healer, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen seated today. Thank you, David. As you know, we've been talking about the inside story. The story of Christmas, the obvious story is that God sent His Son to be incarnate, to be a human, to wrap Himself in humanity. He came into the world to be the Savior, the Savior of the world, to save us from our sins. He came, and what a beautiful story of the coming of God into the world. He came into the backside of the desert in a little place called Bethlehem. And His coming announced joy and peace, that the King of kings was arriving on earth, that the Messiah had come. This is the story of Christmas, God's gift. Christmas is about the giving of gifts. God gave His gift to you and I. But within the story, there's another story. In the last few weeks, I'm not going to review. If you want to go to highervisionchurch.com, you can click on and see the last two weeks' sermons. And I want to encourage you to do that if you've missed them. Because we've learned some pretty powerful things about the inside story of Christmas. This week, I want to dive into that again. And I want to read a passage found in Luke chapter 2. This is another part of the story of Christmas that we haven't read yet. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 2, says this. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken by Crenerius when he was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go back to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously present or pregnant. And while they were there I don't know why, but both times I've said present instead of pregnant you can tell Christmas is right around the corner, right? She's obviously pre- pregnant. There I almost did it again. I need a gift. Quick! And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. You know, we've been telling the story of Christmas. Last weekend, we had a Christmas Toy Story 4. How many enjoyed our production last weekend? <laughs> Wasn't that Awesome. We had over 5,000 people on campus last weekend. We had over 800 decisions for Christ last weekend. It was an amazing time. And we told this story. But as we look at the story that we read here, what's interesting is I asked myself the question, God, why did you choose Bethlehem? If you think about it, God, he orchestrated a, a, an incredible miracle to get Jesus to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to the point that he called the the emperor of Rome to call a census that had never been taken so that he can position Mary and Joseph to be in Bethlehem so that the prophecies could be foretold and could be proven true that the Messiah would come out of Bethlehem. That's a big miracle. God created a miracle for the world so that he could get this prophetic utterance to be true that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So here's the question that I asked myself. Why Bethlehem? What is so important about this city? And as we read this story, I believe that as I began to study, here's what God showed me. God chose the city because he chose the man. You see, Bethlehem was the city, it was had notoriety and here's why. It was the city of David. That's important because the line of the Messiah, the ancestral line, the bloodline came from King David. The Messiah would be from David's seed. So, why Bethlehem? I believe he chose the city because he chose the man. It's interesting because in the the verse we all read together, here's what it says. It said that the the baby was born in Bethlehem, and here's why. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. There's a theme, an inside story to the story of Christmas, and that is that Jesus was the underdog king. And we're going to focus on that part of the story, but also it goes on to say, Not only are you least among the cities, the ruling cities of Judah, but then it goes on and it says, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd. Everybody say shepherd. Shepherd Shepherd for my people, Israel. So the inside story, and my two big points today, if you want to know up ahead, is we're going to talk about underdogs and we're going to talk about shepherds. Everybody say underdog. Underdog. Everybody say shepherd. shepherd. We're going to talk about those two themes because that's the story of Christmas, you ready? Point number one: I'm going to tell it to you. What is the inside story of Christmas? Write it down. It's the story of an underdog. I remember that old show, Underdog. Remember that song, Underdog? How, how's it go? Anybody remember? Flat, uh, I, I listened to it before I came came in today. It has this really cool song. I'm going to learn it for the next service. It's awesome. This little dog. Well, here's the interesting thing about the story: is when we read about. Bethlehem, here's what God says. Bethlehem, although on the outside, everybody thinks you're the least of all the cities. That word in the Greek means least, small, insignificant. So what's interesting is that God chooses a city that on the outside looks like the underdog. And if we fast forward to King David who came out of the city of Bethlehem. Here's what we know. David was the least of his family. He was the underdog. Remember when God spoke to Samuel and said, go to the house of Jesse, who lives in in Bethlehem, and there you're going to anoint the next king. So he gets there. He shows up and he says, Jesse, grab your sons. I'm going to anoint the new king. And the first son comes in. He's tall. He's handsome. And he's about ready to anoint him. And God says, he's not the one. And then the next one comes, tall, handsome, He's not the one. They go through all the boys. Finally, Jesse says, that's it. And Samuel says, you don't have any more? And then Jesse goes, well, actually, I have one more. But he's out in the field with the sheep. He's he's ruddy. He's small. He's just a little guy. You want him to come? You mean the least? And he comes. And then what does God say? Here's what God says, because this is telling. When you look at the story of Christmas, that God decided to raise up a ruler from the underdog city. That he decided to raise up a king from the underdog family. The, the, the one, the least of these. He, he tells Samuel, look. Samuel looks at him and is thinking. Here's what Samuel's thinking. Him? And then God says, hey, man looks at, remember this verse? This is where it's found, the context. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the... You see, when I read this story, here's what it tells me. David was always the underdog. We know he went to a valley and there were all kinds of Philistines and there was a giant. And the least likely guy to fight the giant was the delivery boy from Subway. (laughs) David had showed up to bring lunch to his brothers, sandwiches, bread. You see, the story of Christmas, Merry Christmas, and that is this, that it's a story of the underdog. The story of the underdog. You know, it's funny, Is I'm, I'm not a betting man necessarily at, at, in any way, but I have a relative who is into gambling, and, and uh, he likes to go play cards and likes to bet on all the games. And so whenever we're watching an athletic event, he, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? He is always betting. In fact, his brother is a bookie. <laughs> he runs in the family. And so when we're watching the game, all I have to do is say, hey, Matt, what's the spread? Who's supposed to win? What did you bet? Now, let me tell you about how it works. In Vegas or with these people, they basically determine who the winner's going to be. And then you get to bet whether that's the case or not. And here's the important thing you need to know about Vegas is usually they're right. Because if they weren't, they'd go bankrupt. Here's why they're usually right. It's because they have people that know how to get the inside information. So they will study and they will find out, well, this team is playing this team. And it just so happens that this team, the running back is hurt. and He's got the flu and so he's probably not going to play. And this team has a weak defensive line. And, and, so the, and so they know all of the inside information so that they can see what's below the surface so that they can determine the odds. And what's interesting is when we look at the Christmas story, many times you and I we see situations just like Christmas, where we look at the Bethlehem of our life and we see, we think, no, there's no way that this is going to work out. There's no way that this is going to turn around. There's no way that God can use me. I'm uneducated. I, I don't have a lot of money. I don't. I don't have a lot of experience. I don't sing like they do. God can't use me. To, look, I'm like Bethlehem. What? There, there's there's not a whole lot of good things coming out of this place. I've had a lot of baggage and I. I've had a lot of trials, and I've made a lot of bad decisions. But here's what you need to know. When you read Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, there's a little nugget there that we all need to see. You ready? And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Ju- Judah, for a ruler will come from you. Another translation says, come out of you. And you will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Here's why you and I need to understand the inside story of Christmas. It's because when God looks at you, let me tell you something, God knows how to make a bet. And here's why God knows how to make a bet. Because He has the ability to see beyond the surface of your situations and to look deep down inside of you. And here's what you need to know. When God looks at you, He doesn't look at a failure. He doesn't look at someone who can't do anything. Why? Because He's got inside information. And the inside information is this. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Emmanuel has come. And because Christ is in you, he's going to bet on you because God sees your potential. Somebody say amen. God knows how to place a bet. Because he looked at Bethlehem. And he says, everybody sees one thing, but I know what's on the inside. Out of you is going to come a leader. And I want to tell you something today. Wherever you are in life, you need to know something. The devil may tell you you'll never amount to anything. The the devil may tell you things can never change. But Christmas is a story to remind you that God loves underdog. It's a story of the underdog because inside of you is Jesus Christ. And with Jesus Christ, you are more than a conqueror. Somebody say amen. Now, when we read this story in Matthew chapter 2, we also see there's another theme. The other inside story. The first inside story is about underdogs. The second inside story is, you ready to write this down, it's the story of shepherds. It's the story of shepherds. We read it just a moment ago in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, which says, For a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd. Everybody say shepherd. A ruler will come who will be a shepherd for my people Israel. And it goes on to say that his rule will never end. We see the prophetic statements that basically God's raising up a shepherd that will forever take care of God's sheep. Now, as we begin to think about it, why did God choose Bethlehem? Well, one of the things you need to know is that Bethlehem is not only known for being the place of David but it's known for being the city of shepherds. And here's why. It's notoriety for shepherds was because David was a shepherd. And if you remember in the story of Christmas, who did the angels appear to? Shepherds. Shepherds are surrounding the story of Christmas. So what's the inside story? Begin to think about it. God, why did you choose Bethlehem? I know you chose Bethlehem because it was the underdog and you were going to show that you could raise up and do something great even with the you know underdog king who was born in a manger on the backside of town didn't even have a, a, a place to stay in the inn had to stay in a stable and didn't have a lot of money and a lot of fame and a lot of education you're going to raise up the underdog king Jesus and that he was going to arise and even though he didn't have an education al- although he never went into political office he has had more impact than any ruler any prince any politician Any philosopher in the history of the world You used the underdog king Okay, that's the great story But what what else? Why? A shepherd Well, I told you earlier That God chose a city because he chose the man And I believe the reason he chose the man David, and eventually Jesus Is because David was known Not only as a shepherd for a few sheep For Jesse But he was known as the man who God raised up To shepherd God's people, Israel From the integrity of his heart And there's a theme, an inside story of Christmas that has to do with shepherds. So if it's okay, I'm going to talk about shepherds for a little bit. Is that all right? First of all, here's what you need to know. God raised up Jesus not only to be the Savior, but to be the good? He raised up Jesus not only to be the Savior, but to be the good what? Shepherd. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. Let me just stop right there and say, He's not a bad shepherd. He's not an adequate shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He knows what he's doing. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. I'm going to touch on that last part in a minute. You know what's interesting? And I know Pastor Wayman preached a message on Psalm 23 a while back when we were doing the deeper series, I think it was. He, He spent a lot of time teaching on this concept of shepherds and sheep. And so, but I felt led that we've got to touch on this because it's the inside story of Christmas. And I got to thinking about it. You know, it's not very polite that God chose to call us sheep. I mean, really? How many know it was a bad idea? <laughs> I just... You know what happened when the two baby sheep, the one had his fingers in the cookie jar and got caught? The other sheep looked at him and said, Bad. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. It was really, really bad. Why did he call us sheep? Why couldn't he have called us lions? Or bears? Or rhinoceroses? S-s-s-s. Right? Why are we related as sheep? Here's why. I believe the reason why is because it's one of the few animals that are out there in nature that are not able to function on their own. They can only survive with dependence on a shepherd. And we've been going at it for centuries on our own. And God knew that we needed a good shepherd. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about shepherds. And I'm going to give you a few thoughts about shepherds as we wrap this story up. You ready? Write this down. Why is it that the inside story is not only the story of the underdog, but it's the story of shepherds, that Jesus is the good shepherd? Here's why. Number one is we look at David. You see David and you see Jesus. They are such a beautiful parallel even of Bethlehem and this idea of shepherds. Point number one is we need a shepherd. Why is Christmas so important to us? Here's why. Because shepherds sacrifice. Shepherds sacrifice. We just read a moment ago, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm the good shepherd. And a good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. You know, if we want to go to Bethlehem and see a beautiful symbol, an example, you know where Bethlehem got its name or where it first was introduced in the Bible was 1,700 years before the story of Jesus. It was introduced because Jacob and his wife Rachel, the one that he loved, the one he'd worked 14 years to get, Well, she had a child, his name was Joseph, and on their way back, reconciling with his brother Esau, Jacob, remember the brothers, they'd had a falling out, and they they get reconciled, and then they kind of are on their way, and Rachel now is pregnant with her second child, and when they get to Ephraim, or Bethlehem, it's in Bethlehem that she gives birth to the child, and as she gives birth to the child, there's a complication, and she dies in tremendous pain. And they build an altar there, or they build a memorial there, a tomb there to remember her. In other words, the beauty of Bethlehem, the beauty of Jesus, and David is our shepherd, is shepherd sacrifice. Jesus said what? He said, a good shepherd gives his life for his kids. Isn't it interesting that Bethlehem was founded on the concept of someone who went through pain and sacrificed themselves to give birth to life? What does the scripture say? No... Greater love has this than one man lay his life down for a friend. Merry Christmas. God sent us a shepherd who laid his life down for you and I when we deserve the penalty of our sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of life, the gift of the shepherd when he sacrificed himself is eternal life. Somebody say, Merry Christmas. You thought I was going to say amen, didn't you? Shepherds sacrifice. Here's the next thing. Shepherds, write this down, shepherds lead. Shepherds lead. I want to go back now to a psalm that was written about shepherds. David, such a beautiful author, writes in Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my, what? The Lord is my shepherd. David was a shepherd. He understood what a shepherd did. So you got to understand, as he's writing and he's sharing this, there's such a beautiful uh, thing going on because he understands. He knows what he's talking about. And this is a beautiful picture of the coming of Christ as the good shepherd. What do shepherds do? They lead. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads. Everybody say leads. Leads. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Guys, there's a typo there. It should be say bringing honor. It's my fault. I sent you the wrong writing. Let's talk about Bethlehem. Because we see a beautiful picture. Why did he choose Bethlehem? Why did he choose it? Because it's the place of shepherds. And here's what you need to know about Bethlehem. is It's set up on the ridge of a hill. And so all surrounding Bethlehem were cliffs and rocks and ravines. So it was a tough place to be a shepherd. So David had to know how to guide his sheep safely to wherever he was leading them. Because if he didn't, if he wasn't a good leader, if he didn't lead them well, then they would fall off the edge and they could be hurt and they could be wounded. And I want you to know something. Merry Christmas. Because it's a message to you and I that sometimes in life we end up in ravines and we end up in places we never thought we would be. And we don't know how to get out of where we are. How is this ever going to change? Well, here's the good news. Merry Christmas. Because we have a good shepherd who came to this earth to lead you and I in the paths of righteousness, to take us by streams that are peaceful so that we can restore our soul, to take us out of places of darkness. You see, we think we know where we're going. There is a way that seemeth right to man, but the end thereof leads to death. But what did Jesus say? I'm the good shepherd, but not only that, I am the way. And I can lead you. Where you need to go. Somebody say amen. Somebody say Merry Christmas. Shepherds sacrifice. Shepherds lead. Ready for the third one? Shepherds protect and correct. Shepherds protect and correct. Let's keep reading in Psalm 23, verse 4. It says, you lead me by still waters. You guide me. And then it says this, but even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. I love the translation that says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You see, this is a beautiful passage. David knows what he's talking about because David gives us a little hint that he understood this idea of protection, right? Remember, there was a bear that came to attack his sheep, and he fought for them. He was willing to sacrifice his life for them, so he protected them from the bear, and he protected them from the lion. And let me tell you something. You need to know when, when Christmas comes, it's not just, oh, great, presents are here. Oh, great, Jesus was in the manger. No. Here's what you and I need to know is that there are enemies of your life. There are, there's a a roaring lion out there who wants to seek and devour you. But here's the good news. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you have a good shepherd that will raise the standard against him. When the enemy wants to come at you, here's what you need to know. He proclaims a promise which says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you will be put to silence. This honor has all the saints. When you and I face challenges, when the enemy is at us, here's what we need to know. Merry Christmas because we have a shepherd to protect us. Somebody say amen. But let me say the shepherd not only protects, the shepherd corrects. Now, that's the part we really don't like. I love the protecting. Let's skip the correcting. Let me show you something. I want to show you a picture of a sheep. How many have ever had a bad hair day? Did you know that sheep grow that, and they can't help themselves? It just keeps growing and growing and growing until, did you know that if there was no shepherd to shear them, they would die because it would grow so big that they can't walk anymore, they can't eat anymore, they can't do anything with all of that on there. So the shepherd has to come and begin to shear and to begin to shave off, shave away the things that have grown in their lives, things that could be harmful, things that could hurt them. We think of the shepherd being loving. The shepherd is loving. Did you know the Bible says that if a father loves his child, he will discipline his child? Sometimes God comes along. And in the midst of our challenges, he'll do a little shaving, a little shearing. And here's why. Because he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to end up with more than a bad hair day. But literally in a position where we can't do anything, we can't even follow him anymore. I've seen people that have gotten so full of things in their life, they can't even follow a shepherd anymore. All they are is laying on their side, stuck, able to go nowhere. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And we already know that if we're in Christ, that all things work together for the good. So whatever he's doing, if it's shearing or if it's protecting, he's doing it because he loves you and it's for your good. Merry Christmas. It's the inside story of Christmas, right? The inside story is that he loves underdogs, that he loves shepherds, that there's a purpose for the shepherd in our life. Let me give you the last part as we wrap this up. Not only do shepherds protect and correct, not only do they lead, and not only do they sacrifice, but here's the last thing, shepherds feed. Everybody say feed. If we read, as we read Psalm 23, we've, we've seen kind of a pattern of the role of a shepherd, and at the end of the Of that passage, it says in Psalm 23, verse 5, then it goes on to say, For you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. If God wasn't protecting, he couldn't feed you. If God wasn't correcting, he couldn't feed you. So as he begins to protect and correct, now we're in a position where he can set the table. And even though the enemy is looking at us, licking his chops, wanting to take us down, we can eat with with joy. We can eat with peace because of the Prince of Peace, because we know that the enemy can't get to us. His plans cannot succeed. Why? Because we've got a good shepherd. And that shepherd feeds us. We've been talking about Bethlehem, right? Kind of some of the parallels, the images of Bethlehem and the shepherd David and Jesus. Let me tell you another beautiful thing about the second time we see the town Bethlehem in the history of the Bible. The first time was that sacrifice was made. Rachel died to give life to Benjamin. The second time we see it is an amazing story in the book of Ruth. And this is important because this ties in to David and it ties in to Jesus. Jesus. I want the worship team to come. You see, there is a man in Bethlehem. Bethlehem had gone through a season of famine. And there was very little grain. And people had left to go other places. And so this woman named Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, he he went there. And while he was there, he passed away. His two sons who got married to some of the people from Moab, they passed away. And so Naomi heard that the famine was over and came back to Bethlehem, and when she came back, a woman came with her, her daughter-in-law. Now remember, her husband had died, and Ruth's husband had died. There was no need for Ruth to stay connected to Naomi. They were only connected by marriage, but here's the point. Ruth had nothing. She had no one, and she was a woman also of character, and so she looked at Naomi, and she said, wherever you go, I will go. Your land will be my land. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She came back to Bethlehem. Do you know what the name Bethlehem means? Here's what it means. House of bread. Isn't it interesting that we're talking about the shepherd who feeds and the name Bethlehem? We're talking about why this city? Bethlehem is the house of bread, the place where you are able to eat. They come back to Bethlehem because the crops are are thriving again. And Boaz is a businessman and he has many fields. But here's what's interesting about Boaz is that he's a close relative, the closest relative to Naomi's dead husband. When they get into the city, Ruth, because they have no money, now they're people that have wealth, they just can't access it because they own fields. But the fields are barren, they've never been worked, so there's no income, so their cash flow is non-existent. So they're poor, even though they own property. So that she goes into the field and begins to glean, harvest the leftovers in the field. Happens to be the the field of Boaz. And while she's there, Boaz takes notice of her. And he basically tells her, listen, you're welcome to to take whatever you need. In fact, if you're hungry, come and eat at my table and drink from the, the water. My men will protect you. Other fields, you might be raped, you might be hurt. But we'll protect you. We'll provide food for you. Because I've heard of what kind of woman you are that you would stay with your mother in law and try to help her in her older years of age as the younger woman. She comes home one day and Naomi says, Where have you been? And she says, I've been with Boaz in this field. And she goes, Oh, did you know that Boaz is our kinsman redeemer? What is a kinsman redeemer? A kinsman redeemer was the closest relative, and here's what they had. They had the opportunity, they had the first right to buy back all of the properties of this widowed woman. And not only could he buy the fields from her, but he had the opportunity to take her as his wife. Naomi says, you know what you need to do? I want you to go back see Boaz. He's going to be sleeping in the area where he's threshing wheat. And as he's laying there, go and uncover his feet and lay down next to his feet. And there's an old custom. He'll understand what it means because what you're doing is you're offering him the opportunity to be your kinsman redeemer. So she does it. She goes and she uncovers his feet. He wakes up in the middle of the night and sees her laying there. And Obviously, he was a man of integrity. He had not made any kind of movements towards her because he was older and she was younger. And he looks at her and he says, blessed are you that you would honor your dead husband. You're young. You could have anybody. But you chose me, and I want to be your redeemer. And that day, he redeemed her. And he said, now here's what I'm going to do. Just like we were doing in the field, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. You see a little, uh, you know, symbolism with the shepherd? I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to feed you. And, get, and 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 here's the thing: Bethlehem's the house of bread. We got lots of bread. We're going to take care of you. And not only that, but you're going to know me. We're going to be close. We're going to have a relationship with each other. What did Jesus say? My sheep know my voice. Did you know the shepherd doesn't just want to protect you; he doesn't just want to lead you. But here's what he wants to do: he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. And so the kinsman redeemer redeems. And here's the cool thing. A woman who had nothing, a woman who had barren fields that weren't producing anything, because of the kinsman redeemer in Bethlehem, God turned it all around. And he provided, and he was able to cultivate. You know, there are people out here that you have dead dreams, you have empty fields. You have promises and you have things in your life. And here's what you need to know. Merry Christmas. Because Christmas is a story of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is a story of this, that God will bring a kinsman redeemer, a good shepherd. His name is Jesus. And though you may feel like you have nothing or that that there are empty parts of your life that aren't producing anymore, you need to know that Emmanuel, when he came, he came to be in your life, not just to forgive your sins, but to restore back to you all your dreams and to cause things to grow again in your life and to bring a relationship of closeness with you. Shepherds, They sacrifice They lead They protect and correct And they feed Why Bethlehem? Because God believes in underdogs God is betting on you Why Bethlehem? Because he wanted you to know That he's your shepherd And that he has redeemed you And as Jesus said, we'll end with this. John 6, 35, Jesus replied, I am Bethlehem. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's the inside story of Christmas. I want you to close your eyes.